WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. Mountain Flame in Arkville, featuring a range of products for home heating solutions. A variety of fireplaces, wood stoves, and gas and pellet stoves are available and on display. For sales and service, Mountain Flame in Arkville. Warming home since 1980. Details at mountainflame.com. The Mountain Eagle, the community newspaper and website serving the Catskills region, covering Delaware, Schoharie, Green, and northern Ulster counties, with local reporting, regional events, school sports, letters, and features. All in the Mountain Eagle. We know the elders, but new jazz excursions will focus on the latest generational freeform thinkers and creators making vital America's greatest cultural legacy. So join me, Mike Jakovic, for new jazz excursions. Alternate Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon on WIOX Roxbury. Live and local in the Catskills at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable, Channel 20. Streaming at WIOXradio.org and on all your smartphone radio apps. Listening to WIOX Community Radio live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi, and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones, and also with the Radio Garden Phone app. This is from the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest related topic with Ryan and John. John, how's it going? Oh, I'm good, Ryan. Tis the season. Tis what? Tis what season? Tis the the rifle hunting season coming up. Yeah, and that's this Saturday, right? That's right. Opening day. I got my rifle out this weekend. Was doing a little little shooting. Right. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, I went out and tested it. It still works. Yep. So does mine. Still went bang. Still went bang. Still shot wonderfully. Wonderfully. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> yeah, I got a new neighbor, and he's got a he's got a range a lot longer than what I could shoot previously. So I had actually tested out a little further than 
Further, I'm ever going to shoot at a deer, but yeah. it was a lot of fun. I was, I was impressed by my, by my gun. All right. Well, that's good. I don't know. The weather's looking pretty cold, so it should be good for hunting. Yep. So, uh, so yeah. Good luck to you all. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, uh, I'm going to go for the big one, and then I'm going to switch to a diehard bear hunter. Diehard bear hunter. I'm, if I get the big one, I'm going for a big buck first, and if I can make that happen right away, I'm gonna just de- devote the rest of my season to bear hunting. <laughs> we'll see yeah. how that goes. Well, you know, one thing at a time, John. That's, that's telling you my plan. Yeah, the secret <laughs> to happiness is uh, having low expectations. I didn't say I expect it. I said <laughs> I'm just going in with a plan. All right. So, uh, want to make God next week? It'll all be done. <laughs> It'll all be done. Package process. You want to make God laugh? Make a plan. True. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about your plan. Messing with the deer gods. <laughs> What's up with you, Gary? You going hunting at all? Oh yeah, yeah. We meet up Friday afternoon, evening at the camp with the boys, and yeah, you know we. Well, only two of us are going to hunt on the property this year. Matt and Mitch are going up to the big mountain. So uh, they get up at 4 and they leave camp like 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know where they go. Yeah. You know, I ask Mitch and I... Oh, he's one of these secretive <laughs> guys? I don't know. He he just don't elect, you know, uh, that because he's afraid I'll put it on Facebook. <laughs> then he'll show up and there'll be a, camp, a bunch of campers up there. Yeah, jeez, no, that's not gonna happen. Because last year, the first year, he he left. He usually hunts camp in the morning and then goes in the afternoon up to a big mountain. And last year, he he got smoked hunting season. He didn't get anything, and he was he came up to camp a little bit, I guess, angry or whatever. But oh, I'm going up, blah blah blah. But he was back in camp by eleven o'clock with a nice nine point. Yeah, fucking huge buck. So he's doing that from now on. <clears throat> but you know, we're working on the building up there, and I mean, last Wednesday we're, you know, sheathing it and whatever, and look out, and the, there was a six pointer just standing there watching us for probably, you know, fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah. Now he's just cruising through. But I got a friend. He's a spike. He hangs out around around me at the sugar, at the uh, sugar house. While I was processing a deer, he was just watching me feeding. <laughs> Wouldn't leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, they're they're really docile animals. They're they're very curious. They're very curious, and they they want to know. I have deer tracks. You know, I have don't have. I have a fourteen foot door in my thirty by forty four. You know, building I'm putting up, and I have deer tracks going through that. You know, yeah. and there's, you know, like an entrance door in the back. That's, there's no door there. But you can see the tracks go in. They can walk through the building, and they go out the other side. And then it's like, <laughs> damn, I'm all I got to corral them in there one night? Jeez. <laughs> all I got to do is put a door on and then close it. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, every third Wednesday, we talk to Gary Mead about a uh, different Catskills tree, and that will be White Oak tonight. And uh, Gary's from... Uh, Gary Mead Gallery. How's it going, Gary? Good. Very good. I'm uh, very busy building and getting, uh, you know, my, this is uh, kind of late in the year, but it's uh, it's happening. And, you know, by, you know, next week or so, I'll have the 
the roof on i'll be dried in and then i just putter around for the winter but you know we <clears throat> decided to talk about white oak about six months ago i couldn't believe what was going on with white oak and you know i had a customer call and they wanted some and so you know i called the supplier even if I have it, I call my supplier to see what the going price is to, you know, kind of gauge what I should charge. And I said, I'm not walnut. I said white oak. <laughs> and it's like surpassing the price of walnut right now. And it's black walnut. And it just kind of freaked me out a little bit. So I... You know, I, I put the guy's order together, and I called it in, and oh, I said, that's way too much. And I said, well, I only tacked on a little bit, you know, to make a little profit on it. But I said, you know, whatever, I won't even deal with it. Uh, I gave him the supplier's contact number, and I said, call him direct. And, you know, you're not going to save much, but you'll save a little. And, uh, but that's where White Oak is right now. It's it's uh, a lot's being exported, and the whiskey barrels uh, are are the export and, and the whiskey makers or the whiskey barrel makers. They're called stave mills. They're competing against the export, and then you know a lot of these countries that it, you know export it from us, they just pay whatever they have to to get it and they will you know they just keep going up and up and that's what's you know kind of made the, the whole white oak thing go crazy but you know it's it was kind of over harvested uh down south and wasn't i don't think it was well managed for uh, uh you know several years oh well, white oak is a yeah it's a fire dependent species so uh, i don't know if it was purposely Undermanaged because fire is just not really being managed anymore. So white oak's going to be a casualty to the lack of forest fires. Right. Yeah. Um, it gets a competitive advantage and it needs a little more sunlight than red oak. Right. So red oak is trumping white oak in our forest. Yeah. Chestnut oak is even is kind of it's sold as white oak as far as I know, but that one's even worse than white oak because it gets shaded out even sooner. So chestnut oak is failing, white oak is next, red oak will be the last tree to fail to maple, and maple will beat them all out. So, uh, and birch. And black birch, <laughs> especially black birch. Yeah. Yeah, black birch is, uh, when I'm in the forest preserve and there's an opening from uh, a stand of hemlock that's dying, it's always black birch coming up underneath it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I don't know. Yeah, the birches and poplars, they... They come as soon as everything else, you know, it kind of dies off, and and you know they they'll take over. But we're always going to have something. But uh, you know, if we white oak is, I mean, our our whiskey barrels are dependent on them, and you know, I'm I like whiskey too. So yeah, what are you going to do without your whiskey? <clears throat> well, I I'm not. not they can only use a barrel once, and then they go to the winemakers. And the maple producers use them, too. Maple producers? Yeah, it's a big thing now to age maple syrup in an old whiskey barrel. Is that right? That's right. Uh, have you ever had it? I have. Is it any good? It's good. 
<laughs> is it better than maple syrup? No. No. I didn't think well, it would be. What's wrong with just having maple syrup, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it gives it an, it gives it that smokiness, and you can kind of taste a little hint of bourbon or whiskey or whatever. Why not just take maple syrup and mix it with Jack Daniels? <laughs> you could do that. Yeah. Because I do that. It'd be and, different. And throw, <laughs> it would no longer be a breakfast uh, item, though. Go to the, oh, well, cocktail yeah. dinner night. Go to the wood stove and throw it. <laughs> Or whatever. I don't know what you do. Not judging. <laughs> yeah. You know, pull a ember out of your wood stove and throw it in and yeah. get the smoky flavor. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That'll work. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, we've had a guy on from uh, that makes barrels from High Falls, Ulster County. Yeah, I listened to that show. He's Ooh. pretty interesting. He makes them from like two gallons, two and a half gallons up to... I think fifty gallon. Yeah, but pretty crazy. It's it's not an easy. Yeah, so white oak is is weird is a weird wood, right? Because it's waterproof. Yep. Yeah. So why can't you use red oak here? Uh, it's not waterproof. Well, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but what about it? Though? Next question. Well, <laughs> you guys are acting like needle here. I don't. All the the whiskey barrel makers, they can't use anything but white oak because. It, when it's charred, you know, it's it's porous. You know, I had a stave maker. I visited a stave mill down in Kentucky uh, about, gosh, can you believe 12, 15 years ago now? But I, uh, <clears throat> my nephew lived in Kentucky. He said, oh, you know, uh, said when I come down, I want to go to a stave mill because they're all over that, you know, Indiana, Kentucky. And, and there were miles of rows of, these packs that were 16 foot wide and they like built on big pallets and I mean as long as far as you could see they were but I went through the mill and I you know they went to the office and the guy says oh why don't you come through the through the mill and he gave me the hard hat and the glasses and so I'm going through and we did a tour of the whole thing they get logs in that are you know anywhere from 8 to 16 foot lengths and they go up on the deck and they get depending on the grade they get cut into you know the tops are I think they start with a 30 inch piece you know a log <clears throat> comes into the mill gets kicked over and you know the sides of the barrels I think they're about 4 foot uh, what are they 4 foot uh, the barrels about 4 foot high so they cut them about 54 or something like that, and and then everything is quarter sawn, and they're all band saws, and depending on what log and what length, I mean, it was a beautiful system. It was, uh, the building was probably, you know, 100 feet wide and 300 feet long, and there were rows and rows of processing going on. So when I'm, you know, going through the mill and, you know, it's really quite noisy in there, and we got back to the office, and I said, well, I thought you didn't use <clears throat> white oak and, I mean, red oak and, and, and the barrel making. Because uh, I saw a lot of look like red oak to me. It was very pink and, and reddish in color. He said, oh, he said, no, that's that's the 60-year and older white oak. The heart turns red. No kidding. And he said, it, it's uh, it's the best that you can get in the barrel making because it's uh 
you know, it's older growth wood and whatever. And I said, geez, I never knew that because, you know, years before I, you know, bought white oak from Hofer Lumber over in Calicoon and, you know, I went through it. <clears throat> I pulled all the red, the pink stuff out, sold oh, it for red oak <laughs> ah. and ripped myself off. <laughs> but when you're educated, you don't, you know, it, it really helps. So, you yeah, know, you got to look at those tyloses, man. Yeah. But the guy at the stave mill in, in Kentucky said, the easiest way to tell red from white, you take a one-by-one one piece of stick off anything you have a question about, maybe two foot, three foot long, put it in a bucket of water, blow on it. If it bubbles, it's red oak. If it don't, it's white oak. Yeah. Because <laughs> red oak is fluted. And uh, red oak has a lot more uh, acid in it, but... <clears throat> Red and white are—they're really tough to dry. They're—they're they're, the only—the hardest thing that uh, out there to dry is beech, beech nut. But uh, red and white oak have uh, ruined companies because of you know they're in a hurry and you know they put a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand board foot in a kiln and they don't dry it right. It honeycombs. So, you know, when you're talking production, you know, you know, back 15, 20 years ago, uh, you know, upper, you know, uh, selecting better white oak boards or bringing a, a buck or a buck and a quarter of a foot in volume, track to trail loads. And uh, they, uh, <clears throat> these guys would, uh, honeycomb the, the oak and it would end up selling for pallet grade so mm -hmm. they get 25 you know 15 to 25 cents a board foot for it and that's basically what they paid for it coming in plus they had the labor and all that and you know it put mills out of business red oak is is uh, uh it's a it doesn't red oak the pores the, when it honeycombs i mean they're like huge craters in it and it looks like honeycomb when you know and, and uh, uh basically what it is and it's uh <clears throat> the grains collapse the cells come apart and you know they separate and they open up and you know it's like the end of a you know a log when it starts checking and basically the same thing happens all through the whole you know the whole wood so when i bought my kiln i was talking to the guy that sold me the kiln he goes so I said, so how do you know if you have a problem with the white oak or the red oak during the kiln chart? And he goes, you really don't. He said, you have to pay attention to your schedule. And the biggest thing with the oaks is don't turn the temperature up too fast. You have to dry it slow. It doesn't like to be, uh, you can't dry it fast. So anyway, he said, he says, it's like throwing a desk out the window. There's no damage to that desk till it hits the ground. <laughs> <laughs> In flight, it's still a beautiful desk. <laughs> so, and, you know, but, you know, I was glad to have this guy uh, on my team when I bought my kiln because, he saved my my butt on a lot of things and sent me schedules and 
and basically what I learned about kiln drawing, I can, you know, I'm, I'm so in tune with drying now, I can, I don't, I have gauges and, and uh, you know, the schedule and the, the control panel I look at, but I can walk in my yeah. kiln now and tell if it's, you know, at the beginning of the stage, if it's too hot and too, it, it just, you know, after you've been doing it for 40 years, you just get it. And and you and it becomes a, a, a like another sense. So, uh, but you know, a white and red oak, you put them in, and you don't go above 120 and until it's below 25 percent. And when it's below 25 percent moisture, you crank that right up as high as you want, and it won't. It, it, nothing will happen to it. But you know, the finishing is faster than the starting of it. <coughs> And but you know, like the maples and cherries, you put them in, and and uh, uh, you can actually dry red and white oak with maple and cherry if they're below twenty five percent when you put them in. And uh, uh, but maple and cherry, it's hard hard to. Uh, the maple might twist a little if it's dried a little too fast, but you know, soft maple is very forgiving. Cherry is one of the most forgiving, and actually, believe it or not, the most forgiving thing in the kiln is black locust and like eight or ten years ago I started sawing and drying it and I cannot believe the stability of that wood when it goes through the kiln drying process it uh, it, it goes in it comes out uh, you know I thought we have you know honeycomb and, and all that stuff when I first started drying it and it's a very easy wood to dry. I just was so yeah. amazed by that. Cool. It, it's a cool it's, tree. Yeah, it's a very cool tree. You're just tuning in. You're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Tonight's topic is White Oak with Gary Mead.
This is from the forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight's topic is white oak with Gary Mead. So, Gary, how many white oak you seen growing around you? Not a lot. <clears throat> Not up here in the mountains. There's some. And, uh, you know, how you tell the difference between a white oak and, well, a white oak, the bark from a distance has this white kind of chalky look to it. Be confused with sugar maple almost. Yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, and I always thought maybe that's why it was called white oak because the wood isn't white. I mean, the sapwood's white, but the wood is actually brown. And uh, hmm. but uh, I always figured that they labeled it white oak because of the bark and that chalky looking white. Uh, glow that's to it so probably a little heavier than the maples but you know uh it's a it's an easy wood to saw uh it planes beautifully and it's i mean you don't see a lot of twisting unless you dry it wrong you don't see a lot of twisting and warping in it and uh you know it's a real stable wood it's good you know last 30 to 40 years outdoors you know if uh because you know, when I was doing uh, raised beds, I did I cut a lot of material for them, and everybody wanted hemlock, and and say, geez, hemlock hates the dirt, and you know you're going to only get six, eight years tops out of it. So I started buying white oak and trying to talk people in because the price was you know a little more than double, you know back when white oak wasn't you know, like it is now. Now it's probably quadruple the price. But anyway, I I would tell people you could spend twice as much and get three times the longevity out of it. Yeah. You know, your 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 raised beds aren't gonna mulch down in, in thirty five to forty years. Hemlock, you're gonna be back here in eight years and buying more hemlock. Hemlock is It'll last 100 years off the ground, uh, 200 years off the ground. As soon as it hits the ground, you know, a year or two years, it, you know, all these old barns and stuff, all the siding on them are hemlock. And, I mean, anywhere where they're close to the ground and water splashes on them, you know, it'll rot off the bottom. <laughs> but, you know, the, the upper parts and the gables of those buildings, um, we, we labeled it, I don't know, 35, 40 years ago, we called it hem oak because it, as it ages, it gets hard. And if you take an old two by six 
hemlock that's 70, 100 years old, you cannot drive a nail through it. It will not go through it. It's, it cures down. It gets uh, soft maple and hemlock are the two uh, different woods that they get harder with age. Hmm. Applewood, too. An apple, yeah, probably. But I've never dealt much with apple. But, you know, white oak, uh, you know, as it cures, uh, if you cut white oak green, hard maple, soft maple green, and you nail it up on your barn, you can drive nails through that coming right off the saw, just like hemlock and pine. But if it gets a month or two of drying on it, you, hemlock, have, yeah. you have to pre-drill everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it splits. And, I mean, it's hard to nail. Uh, the harder the wood is, uh, you know, it, it's it's more stable, but it's, uh, you know, you can't go too close to the edge when you nail it because it splits off. And it, it just changes everything because, you know, the cells in it, when they're when they're wet, they're pliable, and when they dry, they become very brittle. And you know, in the kiln drying process, it closes the cells. And uh, red oak and and white oak they shrink quite a bit. Uh, I, you know, John brought me some white oak for a bed frame he was making. Uh, what eight nine months ago? April, yeah. Ten months? I don't know. But anyway, he, you know, the I said I'm not putting this in the kiln. There was part of it that I said, you know, we're going to let that go six or eight months before I even dare to put it in the kiln. And you know how we do? We did all right. We did good. <laughs> I worked with it recently, and it, it's fine. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Fine. Come out awesome, and you know, but you 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 know, the thicker the wood the more cantankerous it will be or the more, uh, you know, it's easier to, 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 to make it go wrong. And when you have a wood that doesn't like, I mean, when you dry wood, it, 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 it stresses it. Uh, there's a, a, it's like pulling the moisture out and, and, and the wood kind of gets, it, it's, a, it's a little stressful for the wood. So, uh, you know, when, you're, when you air dry it, it comes off really, really slow. And, and, and the wood just kind of sits there and, you know, over six, seven months or five months, it, 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 it acclimates to the climate and, and, you know, the moisture comes out slow and it doesn't have... Uh, it equalizes, you know, from the center to the outside, the moisture in it. So when you do put it in a kiln, it it will, uh, you know, accommodate very well. But you know, when it's below twenty five, thirty percent, you could put it in with green wood, and uh, it it will still, you know, come out uh, really uh, stable. And you know, with white oak, you know. It, it not only honeycombs, it will twist, it'll crack, it'll warp, and, you know, no, unless you're cutting short pieces, no woodworker really wants to deal with that. What about using white oak for, like, flooring? You know, here's a wood that's waterproof, kind of, right? 
Yeah, I I have a white oak floor in my mudroom. <clears throat> yeah, it makes sense to do that, no? Yeah, and I seal. <laughs> you know, when I do a floor, the ceiling, and you know, building, I'm building a new kinks, and everything is sealed. Uh, uh, both sides, the ends, and you know, it's it's. It's kind of a almost a painful way to go, but in the you know for longevity you can't beat it. So I always tell people I said, you know, you spend all this money on flooring and you put a finish on the top and then you spill water. You have a, a you know a, some kind of a water leak in your house. Your whole floor buckles and comes up. And you know, I remember one winter I was working in my mudroom, but. <clears throat> You know, I sealed, I put two coats of sealer on the bottom, the ends, the tongue, and the groove. I installed it, and I, you know, uh, actually put one coat on the top. To, and once I installed, I put another coat on the top of uh, poly. And, you know, it was really 20 below zero one winter, and I was repairing some chairs, and I got home from the mill, and I didn't want to go out and, you know, warm the shop up next to the house, so I brought him in the mudroom. I had this little two-and-a-half-gallon bucket with water because I was gluing. And, you know, water-soluble glue, you wipe it off. with. And I kicked the bucket over. I spilled about a gallon and a half of water on that floor. I threw towels down. I mean, just don't let it sit there. I threw towels down, and I took the vacuum, and I just vacuumed it up. But, you know, because I sealed the bottoms and all the ends of that, I didn't warp it all. And you know, I just put a dehumidifier in the room for two days, and <clears throat> the floor never moved. And and <clears throat> so it's you know it's worth that extra you know couple of hundred dollars in finish to put yeah. that down. You know, seal the ends, and when you're doing flooring, everything needs to be sealed. But uh, you know, it, unless you spill water on it, then it don't you know really need to uh to go through all that but you know for longevity i just uh, uh you know i it's everything's ultimate that you have to go to the look for the worst case scenario with everything and plan ahead and you know make sure it's going to last because you know uh the white oak is it's kind of got me on my edge of my seat a little bit thinking about you know what if a disease comes in and takes out our white oak our you know how how are these whiskey barrels going to be made are they going to come up with some other scenario or some type of wood that well i don't know i'm 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 thinking maybe black locust would work for a whiskey barrel Oh, about the taste of that, I don't know, but it's not going to be not going to be a disease that wipes out white oak. It's just going to be lack of forest management. It's already yeah. happening. I know, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why the price is so high in demand, is because it's not easy. I mean, it, it's not easy to get anymore, and it's very limited. And you know, the mills that have it and are sawing it are. And, you know, when the price goes up on something like that, too, it slows down the production of it. Yeah. So it, it's, it's in my world, it's a good thing because it's, it's more respected. 
not that because something costs more it should respect be respected more than something that doesn't but you know the cost uh value of white oak now is is making people pay attention better and you know maybe they'll start you know yeah price is information and you know if yeah. it's lucrative people um not here maybe but down south they might start deliberately managing their forest for oak yeah well i was in long island a year or so ago and it's just unbelievable the white oak down to long island but yeah. you know these are these you know one acre half acre three acre four or five acre lots of you know you're not going to get a logger in there to, to to you know log off these properties it's yeah there's so much of it. I was Connecticut I was, too. Connecticut. I, I was amazed. It. I was just totally blown away. You know, I walked for blocks and blocks, and you know, I would say at least thirty-five, forty percent of their trees down there are white oak. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, you know, if push comes to shove, I mean, these people might, uh, you know, loggers might come come in and and take you know some of the trees off their property you mm. know and uh and be able to you know keep the species going and you know it open up the canopy and and uh you know they would uh, they they grow so well down through there but i didn't know about connecticut um I'm, connecticut's got a ton of white oak i have a white oak in my driveway it's really big and nice yeah and uh it's a tough tree seems to take compaction of roots better than other trees whereas maple you know by your driveway yeah yep. seems to not care as much yep. i guess we'll find out but um so how big a diameter is this you know it's not the biggest thing but it's one of my favorite trees on my property i don't have too many but it's uh i don't know probably 20 inches All right. 22 inches yeah about 60 feet what yeah 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 been up there a couple times just to Turn it away from the power line, but uh, it's just a beautiful fall foliage too. Yeah. It's got that really like dark red russet kind of look. Yeah, it's beautiful. It really is. I love it. Yeah. And uh, there's a you know a red oak in the back that's dying that was used to be in the farm field all alone, but the white oak is doing well because you know it's grown by the driveway. Yeah. And it has full sunlight. So I cut some ash out years ago before the emerald ash borer came in yeah just because i knew they were going to die and mm -hmm. opened it up right away and i can't cut the red maple right next to it i've I've pruned its branches away from it because it creates kind of a hallway coming into the driveway yeah but yeah oh it's it's loving life well that must be beautiful in the fall too it's great oh yeah that one's good the red maple next to that is the best one around is that like deep it's, purple or something yeah fire red <laughs> it's crazy it's it it's the brightest <laughs> the brightest red maple in the whole street it's, it's amazing you look at it and you're like that's a that's tired it. tree it doesn't look good but every <laughs> fall it's like the best foliage <laughs> i almost cut it down because i first saw it I was like man this tree is you know it doesn't really grow it probably grows like an inch a year <laughs> there's like no growth rate on it that's it's cool. just like stunted, but man, does it throw off some nice foliage. Yeah. Well, that's a reason, good reason enough for Eden to keep it. Yeah. It's not harming anything. It's not in your way, but. Well, I had a white oak seedling pop up in my ditch this year. 
I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I can't. And where I am in central Delaware, I can't even. I, I know where one white oak is close to town. Uh, as the crow flies, maybe three or four miles. Yeah, John. We used to go on walks. He used to pick on John. He's like, John, what tree is that? Yeah. You, guys, you guys from Delaware County don't don't know what this tree is, do you? <laughs> He'd be like, I don't know what that tree is. I'm like, that's called white oak. Uh, now I know. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it totally could have come from a acorn out of my pocket from work yeah. one day. Honestly, I bring that stuff home and sometimes. And, yeah. And uh, yeah. maybe a chipmunk planted it or something but this thing's doomed it's uh, unfortunately right in the ditch this town's gonna dig it up one day and it was too big to transplant those things are the hardest things to transplant once they get more than like 18 mm-hmm. inches tall yeah so i just gotta let it live and watch it die but well uh, we were camping <laughs> we were camping with the boy scouts one time and it was in the spring and underneath this white oak canopy uh there was a bunch of i mean the acorns uh, they were just starting little trees, and they were stick right on, still on top of the leaves. Yeah. And they were sprouting little trees, and so uh, we went up, and we must have gathered, I don't know, 200, 300 of them, and, and uh, you know, I, we put them in plastic bags. I told the kids, I said, you know, I gave them 20 or 30 a piece. I said, well, just go plant them in anywhere, you know, just, you know, dig a four-inch hole and drop it in and cover it up. And, uh, you know, I have, uh, that was about 25 years ago. And, you know, some of the scouts that did that, you know, I'm in the meantime, is, oh, you know, that, that tree's about eight foot tall now. And, you know, it's really healthy. And, you know, maybe one out of every 10 actually survived, but the ones that survived are doing very well. Yeah. And that's what I told them. I said, you know, I plant them in, you know, don't plant them underneath another tree. And, you know, uh, especially around maples, because oak grows in an acidy soil. They like a little more acid than the alkaline. The the maples and the birches and poplars they they're a little more alkaline. But I think so. I think you know. I, I honestly think after looking at them for a while that they're 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 um they're in those acid soils because of a more legacy maybe. I feel like they just get out-competed by maple in the better soils. The maple just grows a little faster. All right, yeah. You know what I mean? Because I've come to realize red oak especially, it grows in the same sites as sugar maple. It's just yeah, that. I, yeah, I see them. Uh, yeah. Not as much. No, they, you'll find them more they on. They grow as aggressive in a, in a maple Yeah, stand. you'll yeah. find them more on southern-facing slopes because I feel like there's been more of a legacy of fire yeah. on southern-facing slopes that are drier historically i believe it because as soon as you leave like a really nice sugar maple stand and you switch aspects just a little bit going you know a little more towards an easter slope or a, a southerly slope yeah it becomes red maple right away that's the first type it doesn't switch to anything else usually so it's red mm-hmm. maple and then sometimes you keep going around the head it'll go to red oak and, yeah and beach keeney hollows like that on pack attack and mountain yeah um, there's it's mostly sugar maple and then you turn the corner and f- start facing west and there's three or four white oaks on that mountain. And chestnut, too. I don't know about chestnut oak. No, chest, American chestnut. Oh, American, right. yeah, I bet. And yeah. Sycamore grows up on that ridge. Really? Yeah. Really? Where? Right along the stream. Oh, no way. By up, right up, actually, where you're hunting. Yeah, where I bow on that one day? Yeah. Right up in there. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, there's a 
there's a pretty good spring that runs down from the top, and it's a butternut and sycamore, and the chestnuts grow right along that that spring run. Yeah, sycamore's another one. It it just likes well drained. Yeah. Know, Mike Kudish got me thinking about that years ago. That it doesn't really grow in wet sites. It grows in those alluvial, sandy areas in floodplains. Right. But the reason why it it, it, it dominates down there is because it needs full sunlight. And the other trees, after a flood, they just don't survive as well. No, and they, you for know? some reason, it seems like the sycamores, the root system is integrated to where they can handle a flood. Yeah. I mean, they, because out in the Schoharie Valley, after that big flood out there, I want to say thousands, hundreds of thousands of sycamores yeah. just popped up everywhere. Yeah, right they're the all about 12, 14 feet tall now. Oh, my God, I can't. Like, just yeah. all along the riverbanks, and they were never there before the flood. The other place you see them is quarries, abandoned quarries. Uh-huh. You'll find them, you know, dry as hell, growing 10 feet but a year. But the Schoharie Valley always had a bunch of sycamore, you know. I mean, that whole area out through there was... You know, big, beautiful sycamores, but, you know, like I say, after the flood, I can't believe, I mean, that's all that came back up. I mean, there were quite a few, uh, uh, well, there were some maples and birches and maybe some, uh, 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 a few oaks in there, but. Uh, yeah, some black, the, black, uh, black willow. The black, you know, the, they didn't come back, but the sycamore is back big time. Creek popple. Creek Popple. Yeah. <laughs> Here's tuning in. You're listening to From the Forest, and tonight's topic is White Oak with Gary Mead. Every time I get back on my feet, she come around and knock me down again. Worry, oh, worry, 
Cause I swear it feels like this worry is my only friend. Well, I've been I think, and that's uh, this is from the forest every Wednesday, six to seven p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight's topic is white oak with Gary Mead. All right, Gary, so we got about seven minutes left in this show, and what do you want to talk about? Leave off with with white oak. Uh, I well, it's, it says here it doesn't take glue well. I kind of disagree with that. But. Yeah, I wouldn't pay too much attention to that. No, it also says that it's cheaper than black cherry. This is an old outline. <laughs> <laughs> but the only, uh, you know, when you're gluing, uh, the, the real resiny woods, like teak, you have to treat that, you know, special when you glue it. But I never had to, you know, uh, treat white oak when I glued it. Uh, it, you know, just a good... You know, <coughs> sharp uh, seam. Uh, you get two that are, you know, extremely uh, precise. And I mean, when it glues up, it. I mean, the glues are are uh, uh, what makes the product too. And it's the tightness of the clamp on the glue. Yeah. Because uh, when you're gluing, if you trap a piece of uh, any kind of airspace, and you know, some people that you know on a twelve-foot board that put four clamps. You need at least eight because those little voids in between, where if you don't close it up, and it traps an airspace, uh, humidity, everything, and, and nature is that air is going to come out through there, and when it does. You know, it's not going to repair itself after it leaves. It's just going to leave a void. But, uh, you know, gluing is a, a... But white oak, I never had a problem 
blue and the white oak uh, planing, you really have to be, uh, it, it likes to chunk out. Uh, chunk out my, means it, it takes chunks out as it's going through. And if the grain direction changes, so if you're pulling out, you know, off too much at a time, it, you know, it might chunk out. But, you know, it's a, it's a very hard, <clears throat> it's an extremely hard wood. And it's, it finish it up beautifully. The harder woods actually take less finish than the softer woods. Yeah. You take a piece of pine and, you, you know, put your, you know, sealer coat on and, you know, 20 minutes later, I mean, it changes color a little bit, but it doesn't look like you did much to it. But if you do the same thing with a piece of white oak, it'll start with a low kind of a sheen after the first coat. And, you know, the second coat uh, will bring it up, and then, you know, usually with white oaks and the harder woods, you know, three coats of finish, stellar. Pine, poplar, uh, I notice when I'm doing sycamore, sycamore drinks it up like it's thirsty. and But those finishes, they uh, uh, those types of wood, you know, it takes five to six coats to get the same level of uh, uh, protection. And, you know, um, it's just uh, the way I look at it is the, the, the kind of softer hardwoods and the softwoods, they absorb more, it gets deeper in there to protect it. But the, you know, like the white oak and the hickories and, and the black locusts, they already have protection. So they don't need that extra protection. They just need it on top. And, uh, but white oak is, it's so beautiful. It's brown and, and you know, the, uh, especially a character grade tree. You don't see it. I have had spalted white oak but man it's a treasured thing you don't see much spalt because spalt usually happens you know when a tree starts dying it's the sugar in the tree and there's not much sugar in in the oaks but uh you know whenever i uh run in well i look run low grade my whole career down at the mill and and uh you know if i had a, a red or a white oak that had spalt in it man i just pulled it because you don't see it much yeah and I don't understand why that particular tree had spalt in it. Uh, it's probably from where it was growing, the minerals in the ground. Maybe it was, uh, you know, you know, pulling something sweet out of where it was growing. And because and, the sugar is what, what makes the spalt happen. I mean, beech spalts and, you know, soft maple really spalts. And sycamore is a very... Uh, susceptible to spalting, and it, it's it's absolutely gorgeous stuff. But uh, white oak, as far as uh, you know, longevity outdoors, it's wonderful outdoors for decks and porches and and uh, furniture. You can't beat it for you know the, I mean, cabinet doors. Once you dry it and it's flat and it's straight. Yeah. It's not going to, you know, do anything. Because I have people, they buy wood from me, go, oh, my, you know, when I you know, get this home, put it in my house, is it going to warp? And 
I said, no, it's kiln dried. It's, 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 it's right where it needs to be. And that's the beauty about the kiln. When you put something in the kiln, you kind of, whatever it is when it comes out, that's what it's going to be for the rest of its entire time, unless you throw it in a river or something. But, you know, uh, the, the cranky wood or the, you know, the stuff that's a little bit stressed will come apart or, you know, do their thing in the, you know, during the kiln drying process. Well, that's about all the time we have, believe it or not, Gary, and from the forest. If you have a white oak, please open it up from competition. you got to cut trees around it, open it up, free up its crown, its, its live branches so the leaves can get sunlight. And that's all we have on uh, tonight's show. Next week is the Pileated Woodpecker, and have a good night. Peace, everybody. Good night. All right. Oh, the neon lights were flashing and the icy wind did blow. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. Then the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in the street. A dozen faces stopped to stare, but no one stopped to speak. For his castle was a hallway and the bottle was his friend And the old man stumbled in from the forest Up a dark and dingy staircase the old man made his way His ragged coat around him as upon his cot he lay and he wondered how it happened that he'd ended up this way Getting lost like a fool in the forest And as he lay there sleeping, a vision did appear Upon his mantle shining the face of one so dear Of a long forgotten year When the wildflowers did bloom In the forest She touched his grizzled fingers And she called him by his name And then he heard the joyful sound Of children at their games In an old house on a hillside In some forgotten town where the river runs down from the forest With a mighty roar the big jet soars above the canyon streets And the con men con but life goes on for the city never sleeps And to an old forgotten Soldier, the dawn will come no more. For the old man has come home.